Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information. From live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device and join and make your first sports bet. And they're going to give you a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code. And that is Believe50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm Taylor Davis, joined by Jason Campbell. We are here to talk everything Auburn athletics. And of course, it is week three of the college football season. So we are here to recap this past week's win and look ahead to the highly anticipated matchup in Auburn against Penn State. Plenty to talk about with this one. Plenty of hype leading up to it. Heck, for the last year, there has been hype leading up to it because of the way last year's matchup went. So it is an exciting week around the Plains, and it's an exciting week here at Believe in Everything Auburn. Jay and I greatly appreciate you guys who uh, check in with us every week. We hope that we keep you up to date on everything Auburn, and definitely Jay is a uh, quality guy to be bringing that to you because he is down there in Auburn covering these games really closely and is able to give us really good perspective. So, um, Jay, I guess let's just start with that. You know, I was asking you before we started recording how it was and obviously getting the win over San Jose State, which let's call a spade a spade, is expected. You can talk about how it'll be more challenging than Mercer, which clearly it was. But you get the win, as you should, and and I think that that is uh, certainly worth worth something. You love to see a dub, but uh, maybe required a bit more than you would like to see, even, even trailing at halftime. Talk to me a little bit about what you were noticing, specifically, you know, when they, I guess, flipped a switch uh, going from first half to second half. Yes, good evening, everybody. This is uh, JCAM17. I just had to throw that in there every time, but every time, every time <laughs> I, I say it. this though, it was a great atmosphere on the plains this past weekend, you know, for the second week in a row, rain has been in the forecast and this game, it rained for about five seconds wow. and the rest of the weather was just awesome football weather. You couldn't ask for anything better. Mm. Uh, the team came out flat offensively. Yeah. Uh, I can't put that on a defense. Defense came out, played lights out. They pretty much, pretty much kept us in the game when San Jose state could have went up two touchdowns mm. and, you know, a lot of shout out to the crowd noise from our student session as well, which we would need a lot this weekend. They was very loud. Uh, when San Jose state was on the one yard line, they ended up back on like the 15 to 17 yard line. So, mm-hmm. you know, that had a lot to do with crowd noise and energy and the student session bringing it. So, you know, guys appreciate that. Now concerns, we started out on offense. We turned the ball over twice. Uh, TJ and Robbie both had an interception. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you think about us being down 10 to seven at the half uh, to San Jose state, that's not where you want to be yet. But at the same time, 
the first half was a ton of penalties. You know, we had a lot of penalties, things that we didn't see in the first game we saw in the second game. Mm. You know, I would kind of expect to see some of those things in the first game, but we played pretty much a close to clean football game in the first game. But then this week, and I'm going to be honest, I said it before, the Penn State game was coming up the next week. And everybody's saying, no, no, they're not overlooking San Jose State. It's not that you're overlooking them. It's just the fact that you're looking to the next big game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to get through this one first. So you kind of drag your feet a little bit instead of going out there maybe on Tuesday and Wednesday and putting that same practice effort that you would put into a Penn State game week. Mm -hmm. And that's where the game start at. And, and and everything. So I just feel like they were caught looking ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and then in the second half, they went in, they regrouped at halftime, which was a really good sign that this team knows how to go in, dial in, understand what they need to be what they need to do in the second half. And they came out last year, where did we struggle at? We struggled in the second half of football games. We lost a lot of games in the second half. So this this year, this 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 a tail sign from this past game. We're down ten to seven. Things just interrupt on offense, and then we come out the second half. We get under the center as a quarterback, and then we're running the ball downhill, and we're picking up positive yards, and we were able to do some play action passes and hit the tight ends and hit some of the some of the receivers in the second half. So things got a lot better in the second half because I think we settled in, but we also changed the offense philosophy of how we was running. It wasn't so much shotgun, which I like to see that we was mixing it up shotgun and under mm-hmm. the center because I feel like I've always said this. I said, I feel like when you're under the center and you're running the ball, you get to the point of attack a whole lot quicker and it helps the backs and it helps the offensive line. Cause when you're in shotgun, those guys are on those blocks. Once they get on those blocks, now your running back is still five yards behind you before mm-hmm. he even gets to the line of scrimmage. So I've always said, get on the center and run the ball more. And yeah. then you can do some more bootlegs and play action. So that worked to Auburn's advantage in the second half. We'll see what happens this week against Penn State. I expect to see some different formations. I expect to see the ball be thrown a little bit more because it's going to have to because they're not just going to let you run the ball down their throat in Penn State. No, of course not. I, I think that what you said about um, kind of the the adjustment to adversity and, and kind of righting your wrongs in-game is something that would not have been seen by T from TJ Finley last year. I think even coach Harson spoke to it as well that, you know, he had a really sluggish start, but you saw more um, of his comfortability out there. You saw more of his command and his presence into the second half and making those adjustments in game is so much more challenging than making the adjustments, you know, a Saturday to a Saturday. So I think that that's certainly a positive, but you touched on some of the stats. I'll just run through a few, like we said, trailed 10 to seven going into halftime, but then outscored them 17 to six in the second half. We did get to see Robbie Ashford a little bit. Robbie actually led the team in rushing, but like you said, he threw an interception on just three attempts. So we really didn't get to see him much in that passing game. But uh, TJ also with another interception, but he finished 12 of 15 with eight completions of 10 yards or more, which is certainly something to keep an eye on. Jarquez Hunter had a fantastic game. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed with how he's stepping into his own. And we also saw a couple great runs from Damari Alston. So as expected, this running group, running back group, is stacked and they are a really great tandem. And I fully expect 
all of them to have really great games individually and also as a collective unit. But they're also very important in the blocking game. Like, don't don't it, get it misconstrued. Like, these quarterbacks also rely on them in, in the blocking aspect of their game as well. So really impressed with, with the running backs and the defensive line. But uh, secondary, it certainly could have tightened up a little bit. I think that there were some defensive issues that this San Jose State team really was able to drive down at times it looked like with ease and and I think that that that's not going to sit well with a defensive unit that has such star power and such veteran leadership that they'll look at that film and not feel like it was it was up to par but I think one of the most specifically Derek Hall who led the team with eight tackles and two quarterback hits but I think a position group that and we'll go back to the quarterbacks in a minute but the wide receivers I think after two games you hoped to have more answers about this group right you hope to have kind of your emerging star by now going into the Penn State game someone who's just kind of showcased a spark and you really haven't uh, the wide receivers finished with a combined 93 yards one note though Malcolm Johnson was out of the San Jose State game coach Harson said it was a minor injury he probably could have gone but they held him out to be precautious he is going to go this week so he will be back out there but from a receiver perspective Jay and as a former quarterback yourself like talk a little bit about what is needed from that unit you know, we've heard some really good things from the receivers from training camp. And why? Because they got a lot of balls thrown to them in camp. And they got a chance to go up and make plays. We heard about Camden Brown, about how talented this kid is. He hasn't had a, had an opportunity to catch a ball in the first two games. Yeah, uh, You know, talk about Coy Moore, the, the transfer from LSU. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to catch balls. So you're only limited to your opportunities. And mm -hmm. when I think about how – have we thrown the ball least so far, then you can't expect a lot from these guys in the stat sheet because mm -hmm. that means they're not getting the opportunities to go up and make plays. I saw San Jose State throw multiple go routes against our really good DBs and go up and try to high point balls, and they got pass interference half the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, this is something Auburn needs to do. We have some talented guys. We need to give them opportunities to go up and make some plays. Mm -hmm. I was just like, even if you don't – catch it all the time, they know they're involved in the game and they stay in their antenna, stay involved in the game and their energy stays up. But you come to it on the field and it's run, run, pass. Trust me, from somebody that's been in the offense like that, when it's run, run, pass, run, run, pass, like it's deflating a little bit. Yeah. And when you come to the sideline, it's like, dang, like, you know, are, are we just here? Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. Are we just here? So it's the thing that we have to make sure these guys get the ball early in the games, hit them on some slants, hit them on some hitches, hit them on some curls, hit them on some high percentage throws for the quarterbacks. If you're not trusting your quarterbacks, and I think it all comes back to the quarterbacks. Yeah. If you're not trusting your quarterbacks to deliver the ball on time, if you're not trusting them to protect the football, then give them some high percentage throws where you can hit some, okay, it's a one to two read, but it's a quick throw. If the ball is out of your hand, you're not holding it, or you got to wait till the ball gets down the field. And then take your shots. If you get one-on-one, -on -one, take your shots downfield. Give these guys the opportunity to go up and make plays. We saw a little bit in the Mercer game to Javaris Johnson on the post route mm -hmm. and, and everything. So, But we haven't seen it yet to this point consistently on getting these guys involved. Yes, Tank is – 
a downhill runner. Jaquez is more, he's a downhill runner, but he's also a great cutback runner. Mm -hmm. And you look at Damari Austin, he come in the game last week, he kind of got the run game going yeah, really outside of Robbie Ashford when he had that 20-some-yard run when he had a cutback and got up the middle. So we know we are, what our bats can do, but I've said these first two games, who do we need to get involved in the game to build for the big games? The receivers. Mm -hmm. I've, said, I've said that because I, you can't, now you're going to go into a Penn State game which defense is pretty good. They also have a first-round corner in Porter Jr. on one side. So he's pretty much considered like a lockdown corner. So they will probably man him up sometimes and then zone everybody else up. But you don't really know who's your guy for real because we've thrown to the slot most of the time in Javaris Johnson and those mm -hmm. guys. But we haven't thrown the ball outside a whole lot. Shedrick Jackson has had some catches outside a little bit. But we haven't had an opportunity to see some of the talent that these guys have. And we understand that Ike Hilliard came in here and he's a solid coach. He's a guy we know he tore it up at Florida. Mm -hmm. But why did he tear it up at Florida? He had opportunities. And that's just, and it takes me back because when I was playing at Auburn, I was stuck in the offense like this for one year and it was frustrating. And, yeah. and then Coach Borges comes in and he said, man, how come y'all haven't been throwing to these receivers? They're so talented. And how come they haven't been letting you throw the ball? Your arm is talented. And I was just like, well, I'm only limited to our, to our opportunities. Yeah. I was just like, because all we feel like at Auburn, we can do is just run the ball and play great defense. I said, no, we can so throw true. the ball with the best of them if you give us the opportunity. And then what happens? They give us the opportunity. We tear it up. And everybody like, man, where was this at? Don't ask me where was this at? I've been the same thrower since, since I came to Auburn. Yeah. I came to Auburn as a number two quarterback in the nation throwing the football. You stopped me from throwing the football. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like so you know it, it took somebody else to come in there and realize that yeah so it's the same thing in this situation guys are here we got to get them opportunities and I think if we get these kids some opportunities they can make some plays like you got to build confidence in these games that that was building for these crucial ball games and this is another one this week that's very crucial because we talked about it before the season start what game is the game that we felt like could be the turning curve and we we agree that Penn State is one of them yeah. and it was the biggest one early in the season because you get this one and you win it and you come out of it feeling great about where you're at now the confidence gets pumped up because of the schedule that's coming behind us so we'll see what happens uh, like I said I'm not going to knock the receivers I just think they haven't been given a lot of opportunities I just think the quarterbacks just have to do a better job of getting the ball out of their hands quicker, trust what they see, and let the ball go. That's what I was going to ask. So if you're looking at this thing and you're going, okay, I don't think the wide receivers are getting enough opportunity warranted. I do think there have already been some issues in in routes. I've seen a couple guys get beat downfield. So I do think that there looks like a need for some, still some development and some maturity mm -hmm. in terms of the different defensive coverages, whether man zone scheme. I think that they do seem, they don't seem as polished. And I think that that even showcases itself, whether the ball's in their hands or not, because there's other elements to their presence on the field. But if you are sitting here and going, okay, I don't think the wide receivers are getting enough opportunity. I don't think we're showcasing the passing game enough. What what usually is the cause of that? Is it lack of trust in either your quarterback or your wide receivers? Is it more of a playing it safe right now and just wanting to keep the ball on the ground? Because unfortunately, our quarterbacks have already showcased some errors in, in the point of of turnovers. Like what what leads to, you know, such a, a refusal to kind of get that aspect of the game going? 
Well, it's a few things. One of them is definitely the trust that, okay, can your quarterback protect the football? Okay. And I think I think they wanted to probably throw the ball more, but I think once TJ had those two interceptions in the Mercer game mm-hmm. and then, you know, understanding in practice, they, you know, talk about, you know, Robbie needs to improve on certain throws and, and then he gets in the game and, you know, first game in Mercer game, he does okay. But then yeah. you come out against uh, San Jose State and then you had an early pick. And, you know, it was a cover, it was a zone coverage, and they ran a corner route. The guy was there. He just got to learn to put the ball uh, up in the air and let it, it's a, it's a free throw, not a three-point throw, three point shot mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to throwing. That's a free throw throw he needs to make or get it over the linebacker and in between the safety where the guy can catch the ball. And he just, you know, he just threw it straight to the guy. But he just yeah. got to understand, like, hey, I got to learn from that. I got to move move on. But tell me, where else are these guys going to learn? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't let them get out there and learn now, then when? You're going to wait till we get the biggest games of the season? Exactly. And then you're going to say you're going to trust them? So that's my thing is you have to get them the opportunity to make mistakes so they can learn from them and then they can become better at it. And then sometimes it's just that sometimes it has to do with the offensive line. Sometimes coaches Mm -hmm. feel like, okay, I don't want to get my quarterback sacked a lot or get sacked fumbles. So – I don't feel like if we're there yet to to pass protect these guys long enough to let certain plays develop, then we need to lean heavier on the run and just and just let our defense kind of keep us in games and we have a shot to go winning in the fourth quarter. Right. Uh, so sometimes it, it comes to that where they don't want to single up offensive linemen when teams are blitzing and you have to have these guys one-on-one blocks. If they don't feel like they're there yet, then that's another thing that keeps them from dialing up a lot of passes. Um, the other thing is just sometimes your offensive scheme. Uh, sometimes some coaches are more run oriented. Some guys are more pass oriented. If you know, you've been watching college football and covering college football a long time. You know, there's some coaches, it doesn't matter if it's two safeties back there hanging out deep, they mm-hmm, still gonna try mm-hmm. to throw the ball, yep. <laughs> you know, instead of just running the ball. So it's vice versa. So it's just a matter of comfort level. I think at the end of the day, yeah. uh, as a whole, and I think when you're alternating quarterbacks, there's a reason you're alternating quarterbacks. Mm. And and when you also think about it, Robbie, yes, he's a great athlete and we use him a lot in the run. But when he comes in the games, I was reading what Penn State was saying, they're, they're focused on Robbie Ashford mm. because the threat of him coming in the game, breaking big plays and everything is – is something that's on their mind. So sure. we know that this week they're going to stack the box. So what do we have to do? We got to get him involved in some bootlegs and something other than yeah. him coming in the game, throwing and just running the ball. So there's times for that, but then there's also times you got to miss it up. Cause I'm not going to say anything just yet because it's so early in the season. We have to let things continue to develop, but I wish we would have thrown the ball a little bit more these first two games, just so these guys can build confidence. Agreed. I, I'm I'm surprised that that's not the case, but through the first two games, TJ Finley is completing 64.7%. He's averaging 139 and a half passing yards. And like I said, Robbie led the team in rushing. And I think that what you said about Penn state is, is very accurate in that, they are going to stack the box. Manny Diaz is their defensive coordinator, and my guy loves to blitz, okay? I've covered him at Miami. <laughs> he will send a blitz, and he will send it frequently. So when you've got quarterbacks that are 
a bit unproven and untested, that's going to be their approach with both of the guys is, is really contesting them and getting after them and making them make decisions quickly. So that's going to be an aspect of this. And I do wonder if the first two games have prepared them enough for that and, and for that quickness and, and that approach. But sometimes that raw natural ability does tap back in when you are forced to make those decisions quickly you can't overthink there's no time so i'm i'm hopeful for what either tj and or robbie i fully expect to see them both yet again i think you put robbie in and and let him do what he can do with his legs and and see where it puts you in terms of field position but i think tj will once again have the reins especially seeing how he put the second half together but you also mentioned uh penalties 86 penalty yards on nine flags that that can't fly like that you have to play a disciplined game down the stretch you cannot continue to shoot yourself in the foot when you've got offensive aspects that are still trying to iron out some wrinkles okay so uh, the discipline aspect of this week's matchup is going to be imperative so penn state will be heading into auburn actually for the first time ever penn state has never played at jordan hare and gosh i hope it's a rude awakening for them guys let's please make this atmosphere insane because it certainly was that when we went to Happy Valley last year. Let's return the favor. And I fully expect that we will. It's going to be an orange out. And we are going to talk about the jersey thing in just a minute. I'll ask Jason his opinion. Everyone chill out. But game-wise, Penn State comes to Jordan here for the first time. But unlike our situation, they have the luxury of a very experienced veteran quarterback leading them into this one. Sean Clifford is there for the 85th year, <laughs> but he definitely found success against us last year. It was actually one of the best games of his career, 28 of 32 for 280 yards and two touchdowns last year. Everyone remembers a very close, well-fought game. Tigers coming up short 28 to 20 last year, but Penn State comes in also 2-0. and Their wins a, a bit more respected they they actually had a pretty tight one against Purdue in week one and then defeated Ohio pretty handily this past weekend um, they've actually put up 300 passing yards in both of their first two games so Sean Clifford certainly comfortable they have a freshman backup quarterback in Drew Alar who is kind of earning larger roles in the same way that that Robbie is their skill set is kind of different and they are utilizing him so kind of like their defense is going to have to prepare for us we likely could have to expect that this Alar kid is going to come in and have packages so it just broadens the preparation requirements for our defense but I think that holding their their ground game, containing their ground game is going to be a key piece of this. And I think we'll be able to do that just well. Uh, we did last year, holding them to 90 yards, 2.7 yards per carry. And this obviously defensive front really not allowing much on the ground this year either. So I think that'll be a key thing for it. it you really think it's going to be through the air, right? I think a lot of the the really characteristics of last year's game are going to be the same this year. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of similar storylines, a lot of, you know, they can't really get anything going in the ground game. We can, we are kind of struggling to get things going through the air. They can like, it, it really kind of evens out right now. I do think the 
atmosphere and the environment and the crowd is going to have an important role in this one. So it's going to take all hands on deck, including the people in the stands. But this Penn State offense has put up 81 points in their first two games. And like I said, this defense that loves to blitz and is really going to try and contest our quarterbacks often and early. But uh, talk to me a little bit about the opponent, what you, you know, are thinking of Penn State at this point and what you anticipate, you know, is are the points of focus for the coaching staff right now? Well, you know, John Franklin, the head coach of Penn State, he coached in this conference for three years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he knows a lot about the different environments and he understands that this conference, how they feed off of football and and what it means in the South. So his team would be well prepared from that standpoint. Uh, the other thing is crowd noise. There's a reason it's called home field advantage. Yeah. And that crowd noise, from being a person that played play offense in an opponent's stadium, it can affect your rhythm as far as your get off. Because mm-hmm. your offensive line is on the outside. If you're doing silent counts, they have to look in and watch the ball. So that means they can't even have their eyes on the guy that's in front of them the entire time. Mm-hmm. So you got to have you got to be disciplined enough to look in at the ball and also kind of look at your guy that's in front of you to know, okay, if they're rotating safeties, if the safety's coming down here, they're changing the blitzes. So now my eyes got to be up watching a blitz. But then at the same time, I can't even listen to the snap count in the center because we're on silent count. So I just got to have a feeling in a rhythm of when the ball is going to get snapped and just, and then be ready to react. So it, it's definitely a difference when crowd noise at home than being on the road for the offense. Now, defensively, it doesn't really bother you a whole lot because, you know, if you if you are off in a defensive lineman, you're watching the ball anyways. Because if you listen to the quarterback's voice, you're going to jump off sides a lot. So you always have to tune in and look in and see if that ball is getting snapped at the at the right time. So from defense, you make a, you make your call with the Mike linebacker. He makes his calls. He gives you coverage. And boom, off you go. But defense feeds off crowd noise. Mm-hmm. And You've been in our stadium over the last few years, even when I was there, when an opponent got to go and win the game, uh, we make it as hard as possible uh, to, to do for teams to do that in our stadium. Mm-hmm. And I just expect our kids, I expect this to be a great day. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be uh, football weather. Yeah. It's not going to be hot and humid as we all thought it may be when we looked at the schedule and saw that this game would be at 2.30. And we say, oh, it's going to be harder on them than it is us because it's going to be – they're not used to this heat. But they get, they're getting a little bit of a break. You know, they're becoming in here with great football weather. So I expect this game to be rowdy. I expect us – our defense, the focus on number one is always stopping the run. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll do a really good job of stopping the run. Marcus mm-hmm. Harris the, uh, is a guy that doesn't get a lot of um, – a lot of praise because, you know, he has Derrick Hall and Kobe Wooten and now Cam Riley has been making plays. Yeah. And Owen gets a lot of attention. But Marcus Harris, he's not a big, tall guy, but he's a he's a stud up in there at that nose guard position. And, uh, you know, he causes a lot of problems for, for opposing teams. Jason Jones is another guy that's down in that defensive tackle position that causes a lot of problems. He's big and he's long. He utilizes his arms. And he gets into the offensive lineman's chest. So I expect him to be able to help stop the run this week as well. Passing attack from Clifford. Clifford is a guy, he's in his sixth season. Uh, like I said, crowd noise shouldn't affect him as much because he's played enough football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think from the standpoint of him, he can get in trouble turning the ball over. And I think if we can get some pressure on him, 
he can let some of those throws get away from him and we can get our hands on it with some of our defensive bats that we have to to make some big plays and probably change the field position for our offense. So I expect us to to do that. We haven't blitzed much, Taylor. So yeah. I expect us to dial up a few early and often in this game just to see how Penn State responds. And not every time that you blitz is for a pass. Sometimes you have run blitzes where yeah. you're running to blitz a certain gap to keep them from running in it. So, you know, I expect us to see a couple of different things in that aspect. And, um, and yeah, I, I just think from a standpoint of they won't be off tilt, but they will be surprised by how rowdy it gets in Jordan Hare. I think so, too. I think that it will be, again, still wish it was a night game, but, you know, no oh, one asked yeah. my opinion. But <laughs> I, I think that the the energy and the hype and the just in terms of noise, the way that Jordan Hare is, is structured, the noise all really stays inside. I've been to some stadiums that are more laid out. It's almost a, a flatter bowl instead of going up. And so the noise almost travels a little bit better. But with Jordan Hare, I mean, it is all right on top of you. I have a hard time hearing when I'm down there. So much less on the field when everyone's screaming at the top of their lungs on third down. But I think another guy that as you know, we were kind of teased when Jason Caldwell came on and, and you mentioned last week, Eculiota is having a really great oh, yeah. season. I think that, you know, everyone knew what to expect from Derek Hall and there were, you know, there was warranted hype around him and he's living up to it certainly. But um, Eculiota is certainly becoming a very reliable aspect of this team he actually had the highest overall edge grade in the sec this week with an 86 and a half so very impressed with him think he needs to continue to be a force and could be very influential in this game specifically if there's anyone else or maybe someone that we have talked about if anyone has to have a huge game this week or or maybe not to put the pressure on them but like someone that you want to see have their breakout game this week that could impact you know the result of the game in a big way who is it like who who's that next guy to have that big game you know uh defensively uh, I would go with Donovan Kaufman oh uh, I like you know, that he's he's been a guy that's kind of been a hybrid for our defense. We've moved him around over the last couple of weeks. Uh, him and Zion Puckett, you know, kind of put him in the box, out the mm -hmm. box. And I just think if Donovan Coffin can be one of those guys that can uh, really, really make this game difficult for Penn State because he is a tackling machine. And yeah. uh, and he's a guy that can kind of disrupt some plays as well in the passing game. Uh, offensively, I would probably, I want to say Coy Moore. Okay. I really want to say Coy Moore because – I think he's a guy that if we can give him some opportunities to go out and make some plays for us, I believe, because let's just face it, if Porter's their best defensive back, then they're probably going to put him on Javaris Johnson just off what I'm reading, how what they think of Javaris right. and how fast he is, then he's a big corner. And, but he's predominantly outside, but he will probably be on Shedrick Jackson's side more to the boundary sometimes. And I'm thinking that Corey Moore will have an opportunity on the outside and who's ever in our slot, our slot receiver this week, on their number 25, I watched him play Purdue. I'm trying to think of his name right now. He kind of got lost in coverage in two-man. And okay. whoever, when they went cover two-man, he was getting beat a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think if if we have that slot guy, if Malcolm Johnson is available this week, I think Malcolm can also be that other guy that can get off in the slot if they want to go two-man 
on third down, if Robbie's in the game, I mm-hmm. doubt they go two man because they know Robbie, no one has the quarterback. Right. So he can take off on them and get first down with his legs if he doesn't see anything. TJ, I can see them going two man on third downs because they say, okay, he's not a run threat. So now they're gonna make you have to make those tight throws to beat them on third and third and sit some more. So that's why we got to stay out of third and sit some more this week. We need to stay more into third and two, third and three to four. Agreed. To give us an opportunity to have the threat of running the ball or play action pass or hitting the quick game. Because if we get in third and sit some more, Taylor, they're just going to say, we're going two-man defensive tackles. You get after them. We don't feel TJ can be a threat to run. So then we got to beat their guys. And I think we can beat 25. But if you try to beat that that Porter kid, uh, you know, you're asking for a lot for a guy that's about 6'2 as a corner. Yeah. I think that creativity is also going to be a piece of this. I actually, you know, Harson said after the game that he he could have coached better in, in San Jose State. And I I think that you you do open up the playbook a little bit more. But for all we know, that has been intentional the first two weeks, Jay. I mean, it's it's not lost on us that coaches who have, you know, the first two weeks against a Mercer and a San Jose State are not going to give away the farm when your week three matchup is Penn State and then you've got a gauntlet of SEC competition. Now, the downside of that is not getting all the experience, you know, that you could for guys that are kind of untested in a way, but you aren't giving, you know, all of your cards to a very capable team to then come in and know exactly what they're working against. So I do think that it is time that the coaching and the play calling steps it up a level and, and maybe it's been intentional in the way that they've been going against these first two games. Yeah, I just believe from a you, – you're right. You're extremely right. Coaches do this at every level mm-hmm. where they know if they have two – when the season first starts, if your opponents are not – just be honest, like not as peer as your prom, uh, that you yeah. respect in the SEC. You know, I respect all teams and all opponents. Just look at Appalachian State and what they're doing. Uh, go ask go ask Notre Dame what happened to them last oh, week. You know, so – What a week. So – yeah, you know, I just feel like you do scale back some things because you don't want to give your best stuff when you're trying to prepare it for the, the biggest game of the season mm-hmm. this far. And this is the biggest game of the season this far. And I just believe this game, you you do have some different things that you're going to throw at Penn State that you want to catch them off guard with. You don't want to give them time to prepare for because last year, Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator with the Penn State. Mm-hmm. You know, Derek Mason was our defensive coordinator. This year, Coach Smith is our defense coordinator, who with Harson and Boise, and Kiso was our is our offense coordinator, who with Harson and Boise. So now they got to go back and watch tape, not only on the first two games, they got to go back and watch tape on the coaches when they was in Boise and how they like how they like to call plays on certain situations and what they like to dial up defensively. So it makes Penn State have to study a little bit more. So, yes, you can come in here and catch them off guard with your first 15. I always call it first 15, because most offenses and head coaches, offensive head coaches always have a first 15. If mm-hmm. you ever see teams go up and down the field within those first those first 15 plays, you're like, man, they came out hot. Yeah, because they've been scripting those. This, exactly. Their first 15 is their best 15 plays they feel like they have. And – they throw them out there early. They want to jump on you quickly. And sometimes teams go up 14 to zero real quick. And also you'd be like, 
hey, it's like they just hit a wall. They can't score anymore. Mm-hmm. That's because they have those first 15 that they scripted really well to get up, get up and get ahead. So that's why early in the game is so crucial. You can't afford three and outs. Uh, you got to get out there offensively. We got to keep a rhythm. Last week, San Jose State had the ball a lot longer than we did in the first half, and it was a 10 to 7 ball game. Mm-hmm. You can't afford a Penn State team to be on the field grinding it out because they play similar to Auburn. They run the ball a lot too, grinding it out. And then all of a sudden, your defense get wore down when it comes to the fourth quarter. We got to yeah. sustain drives uh, come Saturday. And, and give our defense an opportunity to catch their breath so that late in the game, we have our legs to really go after them. So I expect this game to be very competitive. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I do I, I do think our run game still has to be a critical part, but we just got to be in a position to be third and four. We, we cannot get in those long down situations. I mean, it's long distance situations. Yeah. I think special teams is going to be pivotal too. I think field position, having setting up some really great returns to kind of put our offense in good positions. It, it's going to start there. Um, I think it's going to be all hands on deck, like I said earlier. But one more aspect to this one that has been a talking point on Twitter is the potential of the team joining in in the all orange mm. brigade. They will be doing that in the form of face masks, the orange face face masks, which were debuted last year in the Halloween game against Ole Miss, are going to make a return. So the team will be wearing the orange face masks, which, as we know from the social media um, poll that they essentially did over the summer, the team loves the orange face masks. But, you know, a few guys, captains, even alum have spoken about the team wanting orange jerseys and wanting to bring those back as an ode to, you know, decades past and also joining in the orange out. Now, I, I don't anticipate that they're going to debut some new Jersey this week, but it opens up a bigger conversation (laughs) that if the players want things like that, if this excites Mm -hmm. the team, if this hypes up the guys, I understand tradition and Auburn certainly sticks with it in the forms of our uniforms, but at some point, do we allow them the excitement of that and go back to an orange Jersey or, or an all Navy ensemble? Like if, if this were you, Jay, do would you want the orange Jersey? See, that's why I'm not the AD, because I'm telling you right now, we try to get orange jerseys for a game when we was in college. Oh, this has been a long time coming. Yeah, and the orange face mask, all of that. So this hadn't just been thought of. Guys been wanting to do this for years. And Auburn has always said we want to stick to the tradition. Mm -hmm. And then last year, they broke out the orange face masks on the Auburn helmets. And it looked awesome. And the white. And it looked awesome. And I was just like, how does tradition get made? Because you tried something That's before so and people liked it. So why can't we always add to the tradition by having another tradition where you wear an alternate jersey one game or two games a year? I, I agree. You know, like that can be another tradition. Mm-hmm. And so I don't understand why you can't do that because I would allow them to do that. But the thing is, if somebody wore an alternate jersey and you lost, 
nobody brings them back out again. Well, yeah. dang, what happened if you lose in the white jersey? What happened if you lose in the Navy jersey? Right. I like you're not going to wear them again. <laughs> I just like, because what? We won and lost in both of those colors before. So, so my thing is, wear the orange jersey again. You win. Now you, guess what? Now they're lucky. Now they're lucky. So <laughs> my whole thing is, you can't get caught up into the, we won with it or we lost with it. Like that drives me crazy because it feels like you rob kids of their opportunity when they come through to create a tradition. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So there's nothing wrong with adding to tradition. You, you got to wear them all the time, but bring them out once or twice a year. You know, this is like in the NFL. NFL has one throwback game and yeah. where you wear your throwback uniform from back in the day. And MLB older, does too. Yeah, and older guys like it because they're like, hey, man, you remember we used to wear those uniforms back in the day? Right. That, that means something to us. They represent us wearing a uniform. Mm -hmm. So it'll actually be a testament to the whoever wore it the first time because we didn't get a chance to wear it. I wore mm -hmm. an orange jersey in practice. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, but it didn't make it to the game. But, right. You know, let these kids have fun, especially where we're at right now as a program where mm -hmm. we're trying to rebuild and get this thing Stirred in the right direction and get some stability and you know who else gonna like it hmm. we got a ton of recruits coming to this game this weekend exactly if you roll out there those orange helmets and you roll out there with some orange jerseys Ooh. you know with the type of uniform with the colors that auburn have auburn has some of the best colors I of agree. any college could you imagine the recruits seeing that and saying because they most of them are all about what style yeah man and they like man man I, I like that I, I want some of that it's about the swag so now you accept change you get hip to what these new kids look for nowadays mm -hmm. outside of nil this is another drawing piece right you know so man i would like to see it will it happen we don't know i so owen was interviewed about it and he said that they've been told that there is some uniform surprise for this year he said i don't know what game it's for i don't know what it is but we have been teased that there's something new i don't think that they're going to do it this week I, I mean they are playing along with it for sure they posted pictures on the auburn football instagram of the face mask and whatever and the caption was just an orange dot so they're not <laughs> they're not straight up denying it either which is letting people you know go run with this but um, anyway, I'm all for it as well. I have been a proponent of an all Navy get up for a long time, but I think the orange would be cool too. See, but now you just pushing the envelope. We, we got to get one step at a time, Taylor. We got to orange jerseys. <laughs> I'm, getting greedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting greedy. Yeah, you know, we got to get I one thing it. going in first. I know. So, I'm know. trying to be like Oregon and have 90 something uniform <laughs> options, but. Nonetheless, well, didn't know it's orange week, so wear orange to the exactly. games. Exactly. If you didn't know, wear orange because obviously Penn State did the whiteout last year, and we're going to showcase, you know, a great environment as they come to town as well. And it is going to be, unfortunately, a CBS game. The CBS two thirty Central, three thirty Eastern kickoff, and uh, boy, can it's I, it's going to be huge. Can I say this though? What? Basketball wear orange uniforms. And baseball. Baseball and has baseball. orange jerseys. Baseball has orange jerseys. Yep. So why is it that football, we can't wear orange jerseys? Uh-huh. You, you pose a great question, Jay. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, if I was sitting in the office and I was talking to the people to be, mm -hmm. I'm going to say, 
our other two major sports wear orange jerseys right. and orange uniforms. Right. Why is it that we're being prohibited from wearing orange outfits? That's what I'm saying. Or uniforms. So I, I'm just saying, that's my argument. But yeah. hey. <laughs> no one will players, listen to us. Right. New players, we're fighting for you. You know, we've <laughs> totally. had our time through Auburn University. It got shot down. But... <laughs> You know, you might have some, you might have, you might get through, you might get through. Maybe y'all might so. Be, y'all might be the lucky ones that get a chance to trot out there with the orange uniforms. Think about it. Y'all getting a lot of things nowadays, like that we didn't get back in the day. Money. So, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so hey, you're making money now in college. Yeah. You know, getting the jerseys. Hey, right. Getting jerseys. You oh know, my hey, goodness. hey, you have a lot. A lot going for your way nowadays. No so kidding. Let's Can't add complain. This, can't complain. Let's add this on to the. To the repertoire and just keep it moving forward. Hey, oh, that's funny. every generation is supposed to get better. Exactly. And not, I love, there's a problem. I love what you said that every tradition starts, you know, there's got to be a beginning to a tradition. So that would be, uh, that would be pretty cool to see. But nonetheless, 2.30 Central kickoff on CBS. Also, SEC Nation is going to be in town. They will be filming right out in front of, um, the Coliseum, really, their back is to Donahue and and the front of the stadium. So if you want to go over there and see the nation set, Marty and McGee will be over there as well. And then CBS will have the game at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. But, I mean, if the first two weeks of season have taught us anything, my goodness, this season is mm. just unpredictable and chaotic and it's only week three. So right. before we close it out, Jay, which game was – your craziest showcase from this past weekend. This this here drives me crazy because I was watching a Texas and Alabama game mm-hmm. and it was the same scenario yeah. as last year. Yeah. Where they left them with a timeout and have we not learned <laughs> don't give Bryce Young that much time. Have we <laughs> not to, learned? Yes. And he drove down the field, put him in field goal range again. And then my biggest surprise was App State. Yeah. And they should have had North Carolina beat. Let's just be honest. Yes, agreed. And then they go to Texas A&M. So if you're Jimbo Fisher right now, you're probably – they're not going to say you're on a hot seat because your buyout is ridiculous because mm-hmm. they gave you so many years in your contract. But what has he done differently than what Kevin Sumlin was doing? Literally. Like has he really raised? Has he really raised Beat the bar? Saban. So my thing is, when does the noise start on him? Because I agree, this was supposed to be their year. Remember, right? Last year they had a good year, and they've been in the top five recruiting class for the last what two, three years, and and they have money, and they have money. Once their kids get on campus, they're mm-hmm. giving them all kind of money. So you can't say oh, we're not giving you everything that you need. So at some point in time, as a coach, you have to be a motivator to get young men ready to play. Totally. It's about development. Right. And for us being the SEC people, you know, that was a tough game for App State to go in there and beat Texas A&M because now it knocks off the luster of when Texas A&M goes to play Miami, when they Mm -hmm. go to play in Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. where everybody was looking forward to, even when they come to Auburn, you know, you want those games to be bigger games, but exactly, when you kind of got knocked off like that. It kind of knocks the rust. I mean, knocks the luster off the the game that people was looking forward to. Yep, the same thing happened to LSU when they lost to Florida State. 
Right. Same thing happened to them. Yep. Like, you know, you lose that game. And in that game, trending backwards two weeks, in that game, if you chip Kelly, you drop the punt, they get the ball inside their five-yard line. You mean Brian Kelly? Yeah, Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly. They get the ball inside their five-yard line. So at the end of the day, you know your only chance is some miraculous got to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and it does. Florida State, Florida State gave you a gift. They <laughs> yeah. tossed the ball inside the five, uh-huh. and the guy dropped it, and you get the ball, and you drive the length of the field, and you score. Now, imagine this. A lot of things have just gone your way. You weren't even supposed to be in that position at the end of the game because they should have have ended it. Do you go for two? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you're you there. Nobody probably would have fought you for going for two because they were about to say, well, the game was lost. Yeah, exactly. And we found a way to win it. So, this is things that are early on in college football that's kind of got you going like, okay, there's a tail sign of what this, this football season can be like. Yeah. And, uh, and if you watched the NFL this past weekend, you would have saw why. If you watched the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Bengals game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you watch the Titans and the Giants game, did we're people we're in for a treat this football season. So just stay on the edge of your seat. Oh, oh yeah. A lot of different things can happen in late in ball games. Big time. I mean, there's already been uh, you know, a good bit of overtime. There's been a good bit of mm-hmm. upsets, and we're on week two. But I totally agree with you. I think that there have been some less than favorable showings from a coaching perspective this early on. I think that we're seeing glimmers a little bit of, you know, you and I have have talked about, it is a very challenging time to be a college football coach and some are going to adapt and rise to the challenge, i.e., Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo was just extended a very large contract. I think there are guys that solid are solid, but I think some are are cracking a little bit. Heck, Nebraska already kicked Scott Frost to the curb. It's week two. I mean, it's just it's it's challenging right now. But from a viewer perspective, this is setting up to be an incredible season. So with that, we will say goodbye because we are set up to probably have an incredible game in Auburn this weekend. Definitely going to be exciting, and hopefully the Tigers can continue and be 3-0 and by the end of it. And Jay and I will be back next week to recap all the action. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. As always, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. You'll get a notification every time we release an episode. And then come on back next week to hear the recap of all the action and get prepared for the next game against Missouri. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.